Golden Edge podcast here with you following game four here at T-Mobile Arena as we look out over the ice from the press box, letting you know everything that went on tonight, keeping you up to date with all of the Golden Knights playoff action. Each and every game we're here with you, so make sure you listen, subscribe, comment, share, all those things up on the podcast. Adam Hill, Ben Goats, Dave Shane here with you, breaking down all the action from what was a wild game, another wild game in this series as the Golden Knights take a 3-1 lead with a 5-0 victory over the San Jose Sharks. I think we're going to rename the podcast The Muffin Men. I'm going to make that executive decision right now. We'll get into why that is the case if you did not follow all of the news today, but let's just get right into it, Ben. Another win for the Golden Knights. They are in control of the series at 3-1 with another pretty solid performance tonight, although it was mostly Marc-Andre Fleury that helped carry him to win. It was a lot of Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously getting his 15th playoff playoff shutout of his career his fifth with the golden knights he was outstanding tonight i mean a bunch of players said it in the locker room despite uh, an early goal which i'm sure we'll get to they didn't actually play that well to start the game the first period was definitely not their best but he kept them in it he kept them you know in the lead basically the entire game he made some outstanding saves and Obviously, we talked about going into this series that the difference between these two teams, the main one, was goaltending, and that absolutely showed up tonight because Flurry was great, and Martin Jones was gone by the end of the first period. Yeah, and once again, Martin Jones chased. That's the fourth time in 10 playoff starts over two years that Martin Jones has been chased by the Golden Knights, sixth time overall in 17 starts. Uh, Dave, it was not a... Not a banner night for him, but it was only two goals that he allowed in the first period. I just, I think the Sharks had finally seen enough, and Pete DeBoer pulled the trigger kind of early. Yeah, I don't know how much of it was on Martin Jones as opposed to it was just a Hail Mary. I mean, it's kind of just desperation at this point, I think, for for Peter DeBoer. I mean, they're down 2 nothing. You know, they're at that point, they're 40 minutes away from being down 3-1 in the series, which, you know, is where they find themselves right now. I mean, I, I that's... To me, that's the four verticals. Everybody go deep, and we're just throwing it, and, you know, we got to try to do something. You know, I mean, get get guys going, find a spark, get somebody, you know, rallied around, just just whatever. I, I just feel like, you know, he's grasping at straws right now, trying to find any any way to, to get his team going. Uh, I mean, Ryan Reeves, the last few games is, you know, I, I mean, at least off the ice, maybe won the war of words, maybe not, you know, in terms of like whose insult is best. But, I mean, he's clearly got the you know the the whole sharks team flustered frustrated you know in their head off their game which is exactly you know what he wants to do in a series i mean we heard pavelski's comments after the game today and i mean you know even just to hear it from like joe pavelski to hear how frustrated he is and ryan Rees even in, in his head it, it just you know it just feels like if i'm pete DeBoer right now i i don't know i'm kind of throwing my hands up going i don't i don't know what else i can do I wanted to save that stuff because I I probably could do a podcast for like three hours with you guys on just the Reeves Kane rivalry and the the emotions and everything else. But uh, I want to save it. Let's let's actually just jump right into that. And uh, I think a lot of people want to hear about that. So let, let's follow that up with Dave. The the fact that we've seen certainly this budding rivalry for a long time. They haven't liked each other going all the way back to their WHL days, almost a decade ago. We finally saw Kane answer the bell after Ryan Reeves said the other day, "Hey, it seems like he's you know ten feet tall when I'm when I'm not on the ice and when I'm out there, he wants no part of it." Kane clearly heard that. He went out and tried to fight him. Uh, he held his own, I thought, a little bit, but then it's clearly still stuck in his head because today he went off on Ryan Reeves. 
I got to say, good stuff. I, I was impressed with the trash talk, but I don't think he was ready for it because he's, his emotions got completely out of control tonight. Reeves got him in the corner, and then Kane was talking the whole way off the ice. And then in the third period, we saw him take a cross-checking penalty, followed by roughing, followed by a game misconduct by just leveling Colin Miller with a left hook. He clearly wasn't ready to follow up on his talk and his talk kind of you know got carried away onto the ice i mean i think you know him probably like everybody else at this point is just frustrated you know up to to the wazoo you know and i think you know the knock on evander kane probably throughout his entire career has been you know discipline maintaining those emotions and things like that uh, I, we've we've talked a lot about this and and i don't i don't want to like you know, jump on Ryan Reeves too much here and start patting his back and, you know, he's the greatest thing ever. And I, Don't I'm worry, not, I will. Okay, <laughs> I'll let you do that. But, you know, there's a reason he's kind of been around the league as long as he's been. There's an experience factor that goes into knowing how to antagonize guys in a series. It's an art. It really is. And and he's done a masterful job of it. I, I think, you know, at least in game one, you know, certainly Evander Kane was was a factor a goal and an assist and and since then he's just he's he's been too worried about you know cracking jokes and talking trash and and things like that and i mean i just i just feel like ryan reese has taken him out of his game like i said earlier i feel like he's taken a whole bunch of them out of out of, the, out of their game and uh, you know it's kind of like i said it's it's the thing that you always want to try to do with eventer kane you know get in his head a little bit frustrate him and you know his emotions just seem to always get the better of him. Ben, what's your uh, what's your read on the emotional state of the Sharks, in particular Evander Kane? Yeah, well, as Dave said, I think they're clearly frustrated, and you saw that boil over at the end of this game. Not just with Kane, but you saw Timo Meyer also get a game misconduct, get booted from this game. I just think the frustration is so so obvious on their faces because for the life of them, they can't figure this Golden Knights team out right now. I mean, I talked about it on a video we did for uh, ReviewJournal.com. The Sharks skaters, I don't think, have been losing the war, especially five-on-five, five, a lot in this series. They've held the Knights under their season average in shots on goal three out of the four games, including tonight. I mean, tonight, they did outplay the Knights for, I thought, most of the first period. And they're still down on the scoreboard because their goaltenders just can't provide any sort of support back there. Uh, for the series, the Sharks goalies have a 84.5 save percentage, which is just abysmal. It's brutal. Well, just to, to follow up on that, Martin Jones over the last three games, we know he's been pulled twice. He's under 80% over the last three games. That's, I mean, I, I'm i not, uh, I'll start to throw an insult. I, I think you could do that. I think you could stop 80% of shots. It's just so hard because you can tell, I mean, that we saw it again, the first shift of tonight's game. You know, I was ready to make another joke about the second line going to the bench, not scoring on their first shift like they did. in. I did, the, by the way. Each of the first three periods <laughs> uh, in game three, but they're hemmed in to their own zone for most of their first shift. And then finally, uh, Mark Stone kind of starts a little bit of a breakout, taps the puck forward, skates down, and then hits Max Pacioretty with a little drop pass. And then Pacioretty shoots and scores. The Knights' first shot on goal of this game was a goal by Max Pacioretty. And if you're the Sharks, that has to be just so deflating because they basically were in the offensive zone for most of the first 90 seconds of this game. And then all of a sudden, the Knights just kind of skate to the circles and score. 
And I think that's just got to be real tough for this team to take because I think the Sharks know they're talented. They know that for most of the season, people thought that they had a very good shot to go far in the playoffs. And right now, it's looking like their season is poss- you know, potentially over as soon as Thursday. I feel like you just went right through that. Could you stop 80% of shots? I No, 100%. I <laughs> was kicked out of the net very early <laughs> in my youth hockey career. I was going to think about that for a second and then realized how quickly they said, Goats, Aren't you too you're, tall? You're, out. you're too tall to play goaltender. There's a lot of reasons why I shouldn't <laughs> play goaltender. But yeah, I think they maybe decided the tallest kid could be on the blue line, which is where I spent most of my youth hockey career. That makes sense. You, you gotta have like a better glove hand than Martin Jones, though, right? Oh, his he, glove hand keeps getting brutal. beat up. There. I at least played baseball for a, a lot of my childhood too, so maybe I got that. But yeah. I mean, just a rough, rough series, obviously, for Martin Jones, who uh, did not talk today in the uh, San Jose Sharks locker room so i think he just wants some alone time to think and mull over what's been a a really rough season for him and it might end up going down as a really disappointing season for the sharks in large part because of him i thought there was no chance that they'd go to dell to start game four and they didn't they they stayed with jones although it was a very very short uh leash dave going to game five who is starting in goal for the sharks yeah i i don't know but i would guess aaron dell to be quite honest i still think it's jones really i don't know that you can go back to him at this point i was i'm with i'm on the dell train just because once you make that move he wasn't good i just feel like at this point in 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 the series like i said earlier if you're pete DeBoer, you just you're trying anything and if it takes putting in a goalie and hoping that your guys kind of rally around that you know, I mean, you're down 3-1 in a series. What else are you going to do? You know, I mean, other than game one when I thought, you know, it's so weird. I mean, these series change so quickly. And and in game one, I mean, you know, I'm sitting up in that press box and, and I'm watching and Carlson looks 100%. And, the uh, you know, the Knights look like, you know, they're on their heels and, and oh, they're going to have problems with the depth and they can't you know, Burns and Carlson and all these, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, three games later, here we are going, you know, all oh, the Sharks went all in and now they're, everything's falling apart. You know, it's just, it's just funny how within, you know, a few days span in a series, the whole narrative just completely flips. Is, is there, I mean, I, I feel like right now, and we talked about this after, we talked about after game three in this, we're in the same spot recording this podcast, looking down on the ice after the game saying, it feels like this series is much more lopsided than it is. The Knights are only up two to one. They've, you know, they've they've still got to come back and win Game Four to make this hold up and take a more commanding lead. But it just felt like the Knights were in total control. Now it feels like the series is over. But the Sharks were really good at home for most of the year. If they go home and win Game Five, all of a sudden you put a little bit of thought into the Golden Knights' head, put a little pressure on them, then you have to come back here and try to win at T-Mobile, and then it's a Game Seven. Anything can happen. I know that's a lot to do. But does this series feel more over than it is? I would say it does a little bit, especially because, as I mentioned earlier, I thought the Sharks, especially five on five when they weren't kind of losing their minds and taking a ton of penalties at the end of this game, were pretty decent. I thought for large stretches of the first period, they were outplaying the Knights. And at some point, it kind of felt like a potential equalizer was coming. And then, of course, Shea Theodore makes a spectacular individual play completely against kind of the the grain of play to use a soccer term there uh to put the knights ahead to nothing just kind of splits two defenders makes a move on jones and scores to put the knights up to nothing and that's just kind of how this game felt to me is you know the sharks were trying to deliver 
a lot of body blows and Flurry kind of stood up to him. And then the Knights responded with just some haymakers, including that theater goal. Alex Tuck had a really nice goal, kind of going five hole on Aaron Dell. Uh, Nate Schmidt had a beautiful, beautiful pass to set up Jonathan Marshall for a power play goal. It just seemed like so much was going right for the Knights. All the bounces were kind of going their way. And the Sharks, even though they put a lot of shots on net and a lot of pucks near the crease, they could just get none of them to fall on one of their sticks for a tap-in or a rebound or a deflection or anything like that. And so if they get, you know, a little bit more puck luck, I can definitely see them, you know, winning a game five, especially at home. But there's so much that they would have to reverse too in terms of not taking penalties, getting some, you know, at least decent play out of their goaltenders because it's just been just so rough back there. And then they're also going to have to figure out a way to make Flurry look bad because they have not, uh, especially these last two games at T-Mobile Arena. I mean, Dave, how do you look at the Sharks' ability to to bounce back at all and make a series of this? I don't, to be quite honest. I know that well, sounds really harsh. Well, you didn't think even before the series. No, and, th- and this is – so part of the reason that I – when you pinned me down on a prediction and I said Knights and Five is almost this exact scenario um, – actually kind of thought the Knights would win game one and whatever, but I thought this would be exactly where they are, 3-1. And I've said this before on podcasts and videos and things, and I I lived in the Bay Area for nine years. I've seen that fan base. I've seen how anxious, I guess, might be the right word that that fan base is and can be. I don't expect that building on Thursday to be rowdy. I expect it to be on edge. You know, there's a difference. I almost feel like all those fans up there feel like they're just, you know, I hate to use this term, but on death row kind of, you know, walking to the executioner. I, I just feel like it feels like everybody in the Bay Area knows this thing is done. It feels like the Sharks are at kind of wit's end and, and almost feels like they're, you know, feeling like it's done. I, I just, I don't have faith if I were a Sharks fan, that they could come back because historically they just never do it. They, they always seem to kind of get into this position and then they just fold the tents. You know, game six last year against the Knights, it was nothing, nothing for a while. And and I remember saying this to you or to Ed, if they get that, if they get this first goal, this this place is just going to, you know, it's going to fall apart. And that's exactly what happened. The Knights got a one with nothing leading, you just heard the whole place just start to rumble and groan and everything, you know? And I'm, I'm sure we're going to get up there on Thursday and they're going to do their best to, you know, have some excitement and some atmosphere. But if the Knights get up, if, if that, I mean, if it's one nothing, 2 nothing, you know, whatever, that building just gets on edge and it permeates all the way down to the bench. You know, they, it's just, it's something with that franchise. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's just something historically that when they get in these spots, they just don't respond. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough fight for them, you know, but I don't know that Pavelski's a hundred percent Flasics out. I don't think Carlson's a hundred percent, you know, they've just got so many things right now going against them. It's, you know, I mean, what it really comes down to is it's hard to win the Stanley cup. It's really hard. You have to have everything going, at the right time, we've seen it in Tampa, you know, I mean, you just, you slump at the wrong time, you get in a hole and, and, you know, you're golfing, 
Well, you saw, I mean, last year with the Golden Knights, everything did go right, and they still didn't win the Stanley Cup. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it is that hard. Right. And I'll even flip it around. I mean, how good has Washington been for however many years? And it took them, you know, kind of getting through Tampa last year and, and nothing against the Knights and whatever. But, I mean, they played the expansion team in the final. And obviously the Knights were a 51-win team and deserved every bit to be there. But it wasn't like they, you know, it wasn't like the Capitals ran into – you know, a, a juggernaut or something that, you know, whatever. I, it's just, I mean, the point is it's hard. You have to have everything kind of fall into place and go right for you. It seems like at least, you know, four games in, the Knights seem to be getting these bounces in this series. I mean, the Pacioretty goal tonight, you know, Dell makes a great glove save and he kind of kind of windmills, you know, his glove or whatever to make the save and the puck goes flying out and Pacioretty's like the only one on the ice who even noticed where it was and he bangs it in. You know, three nothing, or it, it. You know, it just seems like puck luck. You know, like Ben said, everything just seems to kind of be going right now for uh, for Golden Knights. Well, ben, how quickly can that turn, though? Oh, it absolutely can turn. But there's also part of it where I think, you know, you make your own luck. I mean, that was on the power play that Patrick uh, second goal, and the that Golden Knights power play unit I think has been fantastic so far through this series. And the Golden Knights scored a bunch tonight, too, because they got power play opportunities. That Pacioretty goal, the Schmidt dime to Marshall's stick for the tap-in. They earned those opportunities by, you know, getting power plays. And so, you know, part of it is puck luck. And there's definitely, I thought, an element of that tonight. But, you know, the Knights made a lot of their own luck with some of the skill players they have. Obviously, Max Pacioretty. Mark Stone, Shea Theodore made some great individual plays tonight, and they continue, along with Paul Stasny, to be the absolute stars of the series. I mean, I think there's no doubt in my mind right now that, you know, if you were to rank the best players in these series, it's those four and Marc-Andre Fleury, probably. I mean, those are the five best players in this series. I don't know if the Sharks, you know, have anyone that's matched what those five guys have done so far. And so when that's true, you deserve to have some luck go your way, definitely, if you're the Knights. And obviously being, you know, at home at T-Mobile Arena helps. And, you know, all the players were gushing about the energy they got from the crowd tonight. So that's certainly a factor. Um, so, you know, I definitely think as much as there is puck luck involved, the Knights have done a good job creating their own luck. And it's certainly hard to argue that they're not the better team in this series right now. Yeah, and I thought, you know, like we talked about, I thought the Sharks were the better team for at least the first period, even parts of the second period. But, you know, when you go into the locker room after dominating a period, like I thought the Sharks did in the first, and you're losing two to nothing, uh, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm away from you. And uh, they weren't able to recover. And as uh, Pete DeBoer said after the game, I thought it made a lot of sense. I mean, he was certainly critical of his goaltenders uh, because, you know, Martin Jones was pulled. Uh, allowed to go on his first on the first shot attempt, and then gave up another one late in the in the period, uh, and then Dell uh, was not really much better. So he was critical of his goaltenders, but at the same time he said, "Doesn't matter. We didn't score any goals. So if you don't score any goals, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. You can't completely pin that uh, on your goaltender. So they they have a lot of work to do to try to bounce back. I, you know, we talked earlier about the emotion and uh, you know how that could continue to play into this series, especially uh, with Kane getting kicked out and Meyer getting kicked out. And uh, certainly Kane couldn't, you know, keep his composure after all the things he said today about Ryan Reeves. But if the Sharks fall behind in the next game, I think a couple of factors go into it. First of all, Joe Thornton's back. 
uh, after he was suspended. He gets to return, and he could be looking at his last game potentially. So you've got to consider the emotion that that could bring. But also, if the Sharks fall behind, how ugly could things get uh, on Thursday night in San Jose? Ugly. I mean, to be quite honest, yeah, it could get ugly. And I don't know. I mean, scoreboard on the ice, you know, who knows at what point they just decide we're taking bodies instead of, you know, worrying about winning this series. I, I, you know, I mean, who knows? I, I thought Jared Gallant made a comment, you know, about having that. It was basically like the fourth line out, out you know, on a late period, power play. On yeah. one of those late power plays, and you know, part of it's rewarding and things like that, but also part of it's you know not wanting to run in the score and and things like that. But I, I mean, like I said earlier, I just feel like the Sharks, uh, you know, maybe more than any other franchise, seem to let things snowball in these situations. And and I just, you know, like I said, if it, especially if it happens early. The Knights get on them early, and that building starts to get, you know, frustrated, and it starts to, you know, filter on down to the ice. I mean, yeah, it, it could it could get out of hand quick. And I think if you're the Knights, you have to be, you know, very prepared for that heading into Game 5, and maybe you kind of put a moratorium on the trash talk. You try to tell Ryan Reeves, hey, we've got him right where we want him. We don't need to antagonize him anymore. We just need to finish this. So we can move on to the next thing. Let's just put our focus on game five, ending it right there. And that way we don't have to worry about all this back and forth and trying to fight each other through the media. Let's just focus on hockey for one game. And then you can make all the snide comments you want about, you know, the sharks golfing or sitting at home while we're playing hockey. That's no fun though. It isn't. And and here, here's the, because I said earlier, I would be, I would go over the top on Ryan Reeves and his impact and everything else. We, I, I, I'm willing to say he absolutely did to Kane. What happened to Kane tonight was a result of Ryan Reeves completely owning him, getting in his head, and making him speak out the way he did today. Uh, you know, calling him the Muffin Man and saying he only plays three and a half minutes and he's not a real hockey player and all the other things that he said. And then for Kane to lose it on the ice, I think that was all Reeves. And here's the other thing: I, I will make the argument that he has completely fractured and it goes along with, you know, playing well as well and, and winning and, and getting them frustrated. I think he's, he's fractured the San Jose locker room to some degree because I'll, I'll read into the Pavelski comments quite a bit. He said tonight, he called himself the lion in the jungle. You see what he does. He baits guys in and enjoys when he's doing it. Give him credit to me. That is Pavelski taking a shot at his teammate for losing his cool in a way. And he's giving credit to Reeves, but it's also like, look what he's done to us. He's done this to these guys. They've lost their minds, and that's what he did. And, and I, I think Reeves did that, and I'll give Reeves credit for that. And by the way, Reeves does a great job of getting everybody angry without actually doing anything and waiting for them to come after him to take care of it. Well, we uh, saw that today. He you know, had a clean hit in the corner, and then, of course, the Sharks got frustrated and then you know, basically charged at him away from the play, and Knight's got a power play out of it. And then Reeves is just laughing as on his way to the bench because he knows that he's kind of in, you know, complete control of this kind of mind game he's got going on right now. You know, as much as, uh, you know, he's kind of thought of as this bruiser or this enforcer, he hasn't actually taken a penalty that's led to a Sharks power play this series that I can recall. He's got a, gotten a game misconduct. He's gotten another penalty, but 
both of those did not lead to Sharks power plays. So he's done, you know, to give him some credit, like a fairly good job of walking that fine line of antagonizing and pushing the Sharks while not actually putting his team at a disadvantage on the ice. That's funny to me, the way that people kind of react to it. Um, just because I think everybody kind of assumes he's like this cement head and he's just running around, you know, no thought, just, uh, you know, violent gentleman or whatever. And I, and I think there's way more thought that goes into what Ryan Reese does. Yeah. He, he knows, knows exactly, exactly what he's doing. Yes, he knows exactly what he's doing. And I'm sure he's going home and he's laughing and smiling and saying, I got him. And got practicing him, his lines you know? for the next day. Yeah, right. well, yeah, that too. His that performance too. at practice uh, yesterday was uh, 100% planned. Where, uh, yeah, he called out Kane, said he will, does not have any respect for him, even though they fought. Uh, you know, said Joe Thornton needs reading glasses basically because he's old and can't see very well i mean you knew reeves 100 percent had those statements prepared because he walked right up to this huge media scrum and was like all right it's showtime baby i'll give him something to tweet about as kane did today but kane didn't know how to handle it afterwards reeves does a great job of saying things and then letting them go and letting the other team get angry about it, Kane couldn't control himself after he delivered a great performance. And I'll give Kane credit for knocking it out of the park with his statements, but he couldn't handle it on the ice. I think, I mean, and honestly, like I said, I think that's what makes Ryan Reeves Ryan Reeves, to be quite honest. I think, you know, I mean, clearly the players know he's tough. You know, he's voted, you know, toughest guy or, you know, in the NHL. And he did his old discount double check with the, the title <laughs> belt, you know, after the, the Kane fight. So, you know, I, I certainly think he feels like you know he's the the reigning heavyweight champ in the nhl and all that sort of stuff but you know there's there's more that goes into it i you know I, there was there was a play i, I want to say in the first period where he nearly he kind of you know he knocks somebody off and ends up with the puck and nearly scored and you know i just i just remember thinking you know everybody it, it's it's that old standby of oh you can't play you know and, and it almost tells me like when pavelski and those guys start going back to that, you know, oh, he's not a player, and, you know, our guy's a 30-goal scorer. It's a, you know, pretty good fight for a 30-goal, you know, all those types of things. And they're saying that Ryan Reese isn't a player. That's what Ryan Reese wants, yeah. you know. He, that's when he knows he's got him because the fact of the matter is he is a player. And, yeah, he's not going to go score, you know, 15 goals. And, yeah, he's not Evander Kane. He's not going to score 30. But he does a job, and you look through the playoffs historically, the teams that win the Stanley Cup, they almost always have somebody in some way, shape, or form who is a pest like that and will get under the other team's skin and will be a lightning rod and take the attention of the media. I'm sure you guys know this. So one of the things that I thought was most interesting yesterday was when we walked in and Ryan Reeves sat down, everybody went to Ryan Reeves. Yeah. Now, me, I actually went to a couple of the other guys because nobody was talking to them. And that's when I used it. For my chance, but it was also it was just very fascinating for me to see the way he moves the needle, and the way that he commands attention and allows a guy like Mark Stone to not have to worry about the spotlight, and he can just worry about playing. And some of these other guys that you know maybe aren't as comfortable, you know, in the spotlight, and they're just focused on doing their job. Ryan Reeves allows them to kind of do that. He takes it on himself. He says, "Look at me, look at me." And as a teammate, I'll tell you what, I would want somebody like that 
you know, on, in my locker room, on my team, you know, willing to, to do those things, throw hands, but also say, you know, hey, if you guys need, you know, a break, you know, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll throw some barbs out there. I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll jab, you know, Evander in the media and, and things like that. And, and everybody's focused on that. And meanwhile, you know, the rest of these guys are, are just kind of, you know, humming along and they're allowed to play hockey and, you know, they're up 3-1. I don't know because of it entirely, but I do think it plays a part. Yeah, no question. And uh, I do want to say real quickly as we're on this subject, first of all, two things. I have certainly on Twitter especially uh, been quite critical of a lot of things that happen in this arena and the pregame show and some of the goofiness that a lot of people like I get annoyed by. They cleaned up the opening tonight, Dave. I know we were very excited about that. Yes. First of all, they spelled Flurry's name right. They got his name right. And whatever the storyline was that just was completely gone awry in the first game, they fixed that too. Not as many plot holes and weird developments that happened. Yeah, it made sense when the knight actually kind of stabbed the ice. And <laughs> right. We got the correct uh, so, reaction after that from the graphics. So give them credit for that. But the biggest thing I want to say, good job paying attention to the media uh, because... They had they had that Muffin Man song ready yes, when Evander Kane got kicked out. So oh, somebody's awesome paying moment. attention. That's great. I think that's uh, was that Jake Jake Wagner. I, I believe think that's who, Jake Wagner. So Shoutouts to Jake. Yeah. Uh, excellent music choices for playing uh, Baby Shark <laughs> when Kane got tossed, and then of course, yeah. Do you know the Muffin Man? Was fantastic. Now, great musical choices. They have not. Well, they do the the silly you know cartoons and the you know the d- different uh, video clips on the board. And, you know, beat up the shark and that sort of thing. No Sharknado clips is a travesty. I've not seen one yet. And there are so many great moments from from Sharknado movies. Phenomenal Uh, series. It's so good and so ridiculous. And so many sharks get beat up and killed. Somebody's got to play it. If if this series does come back to Vegas, somebody's got to play a clip. Was that Tara Reid? Was she in that one? Absolutely. uh, Yes, no spoilers. She was in some of them. Can, can we can we get her to do like the rally siren maybe that would be, i think her ian zierling i think would be great yeah. you know did you throw an l in there you're too young to know ian zierling i was gonna say isn't it ian like, <laughs> it's ian zierling and there's no l whatever he's too young i try he doesn't get it he wasn't around uh for the Steve. 90210 days so uh that's okay uh but yeah that'd be he should be here he is the ultimate shark killer why is he not here but i'll use that to transition Will we be here for a game six for the possibility of Ian Zeering or Tara Reed cranking the siren before the game? I will, uh, you know, shift to Dave's prediction and uh, say no. I think the Sharks just appear to be in disarray right now. And I think, you know, even in their heads, it's kind of over. The move to Dell was a Hail Mary that came up empty because he gave up a couple goals too and obviously you know his teammates weren't able to score for him either so i just think the sharks are an exasperated group right now that doesn't know what to do you know they don't know where to turn and i think the knights you know to use a you know bit of a pun here the knights smell the blood in the water and i think uh, the knights are going to come out and take game five and then wrap up the series how do you feel about colorado I actually, get ready to go. We we ready. We book a 
book a flight. Aren't, aren't Colorado and Calgary the same place? Yeah. We, haven't we gone over this? Yeah. On the I, I would before? be fascinated by uh, either of those series, and I will uh, very much enjoy watching the end of that Colorado-Calgary series because I think both teams are fascinating and would both be uh, very interesting matchups yeah, for the I, night. I think, I mean, I, I'll i stick with my five. That You know, I mean, this is kind of how I envisioned it, I guess. So, I mean, I... I just have a hard time seeing the Sharks being able to recover unless they're able to get an early lead up there and just kind of get some momentum because I think the longer that game goes with either Tide or the Knights up, I just don't I don't see the Sharks being able to uh, to rally. We'll find out Thursday, and then uh, we will see you back here Sunday. I'm saying that right now. We'll see you Sunday here for Game 6 in T-Mobile oh. Arena. Wow. Yeah. We'll, we will find out. But uh, yes, on the way to San Jose, I think we know the way. We'll be there letting you know everything going on with the Golden Knights as this series continues. Game five in San Jose. Knights look to close it out against the Sharks. We'll be there. Video, stories at reviewjournal.com. Check it out up there. Follow us on Twitter as well. And make sure you turn in, tune into our podcast. We'll be with you after game five, regardless of who wins, letting you know what happened and what it all means. Golden Edge. Thank you guys for listening again. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Tell your friends. Check us out. We appreciate it. Each and every game of the postseason. We'll be here with you for Dave Shane, Ben Goats. I'm Adam Hill. We will talk to you guys again after game five in San Jose Thursday night.